grab me a beer and grab him a coke. We bout to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. Brandon says, here, bitch, your ex drink your buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I'm your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the show, I'll give you a quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It's my favorite thing to do, hang out with friends, get hammered, do drugs, get in trouble, and reminisce about good old days. I'm sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do, hang out with friends, talk shit, talk shop, and reminisce. Most weeks, I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, by way of Chicago, by way of South Carolina. North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> the very funny, hilarious Maddie Wiener. Thank you for having me. Of course. What's going on? I'm pretty good. I've <laughs> it's so funny because people get North Carolina and South Carolina mixed up all the time. And in my head, I'm like, there's such a huge difference. And there probably is there really? isn't. Oh, in my, I, my only experience with South Carolina is Myrtle Beach and like beach okay. vacations there. And it's very like... I mean, I don't want to talk shit on it, but I, I am no. Go ahead, talk North shit. Carolina. The, my, it's I, like the Jersey or the yeah, Atlantic City. Kind of, of, yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, like North Carolina's got like cool stuff going on. We've got like some little like you know hippie towns, and South Carolina, I just think kind of like the beach with like spray painted like Marilyn Monroe shirts. Like uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that kind airbrush, of thing, yeah. which is probably not fair, but. <laughs> no, it's plenty fair. North Carolina uh, a little bit. <laughs> tell before we get too far into it. Tell everybody where they can find you. Um, whether if you got shows coming up, this will come out next week. So shows coming up, uh, social media, website, all that stuff. Yeah, MaddieWiener.com. It's M A D D I E W I E N E R, uh, and that's got all my social media on it. Um, and I'm headlining two shows in North Carolina next week. Actually, hell yeah, uh, Asheville on the seventh, I believe, and Greensboro on the eighth. Um, Perfect. This will come out on the seventh. Sweet. Yeah, come check it out. Yeah, come go check out Maddie. She is hilarious. I remember the first time you and I met, I was at the stand, and you were uh, a pop-in on a show. Like, you weren't on the the roster, and then I think it was, like, when you had first, because you and I moved to New York around the same time, so I think it was when you first got here. That was probably, like, the, the informal audition. That might have been, because yeah, that been you, the first night. you did a set, and I was dying, and then I went on to the lineup, and you weren't on it. And I was like, who is this person? <laughs> and then I went on their roster and you weren't on there because you had just got here. And so I remember I came up to you after the show and I was like, hey, I can't find you on any of the set. Like, what's your social media? Like, that was awesome. And you were like, uh, thanks. <laughs> but that's how we met. Um, so tell everybody kind of. I like to do this with uh, all my guests. So your evolution into comedy. So, cause right now you're a paid regular at the stand, you're in New York, you're doing shows all over, but how did that come to be? Cause you just graduated college not too long ago. You're incredibly young for the success that you've been having. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, yeah, of course <laughs> I'm not resentful or spiteful. At all. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but how did that happen? So you started doing comedy in North Carolina. Yeah. I started when I was like 16 in like oh, my wow. sophomore year of high school. In how North did that Carolina. happen? 
It was like kind of an accident. Like I don't. I feel like I don't have one of those stories of like I always wanted to be a comic, yeah. dude. I was like, there well, was like we've an- seen the whole thing on this show. Like I've had people who were like I love stand up. I've always wanted to do stand up. And then I have people who were like I just like being the center of attention. So I tried to do an open mic. So yeah. we've had the whole gambit. <laughs> I feel like a little bit of imposter syndrome where I'm like, man, I wish I had been like planning that for years. But I kind of just did an open mic after school one day and was like, this just is like a, a fun whim? way. To- yeah, someone else at my high school had done it and posted okay. a video on Facebook, and I was like, oh, that looks like fun. And so I just did it to like try it out and wrote like i got literally one minute you like pulled it was like a lottery and you could get anywhere from three to one minutes and like i lucked out that i got one minute and because <laughs> that was like all i had yeah but then i met two guys who have stayed um kind of my best friends in comedy were like at that open mic um one buddy kenyan adam chick actually who i think is gonna move here but shouts um, out yeah dude check him out but it was kind of cool like the guys i met that night ended up being friends like seven years later and they were like the ones who kind of they were a couple years older and were like, you know, here's how the scene works. Like, you should keep coming to my. So they could feel it. Like, as soon even though you did one minute, they were like, hey, like, you should come back. Yeah, they gave me kind of because I think I might have just been like, oh, that was cool and stopped. And they kind of like dragged me along. And I'm grateful for them because they were like, no, we'll like I couldn't drive yet. So they like, <laughs> you know what I mean? My mom had like driven me to the open mic. So they were like carpool. I mean, like picked me up and like we would drive like an hour to open mics and stuff like they were really like they're probably the reason I stuck with it at all and then in north carolina was so cool too because it was such a small scene that it like becomes a family so fast oh, yeah. so that's it's the like thing in jacksonville I, that's what we bonded over too is yeah. like those small scenes are like i'm so glad i started in a small scene because i mean that was another big reason to keep going too it was like they're every, your friends they yeah your it was friends. Like, that's literally like my second family like i've never loved anybody more than like those people so it's like yeah like, i mean that sounds cheesy but like but, but truly it's, it's like the community of it is what like kept me coming back and then after a couple months of that of just doing it because it was so fun i was like oh this is like what i want to do forever see and that's interesting because you like I, i'm gonna keep saying this only because i want the listeners to understand for someone who was just kind of like yeah that looks like fun i want to try it you you're very prolific like you i've only ever seen you kill oh thank you well and i i don't say that to like pump you up but at the same time i mean i guess i do i was like i have seen me bomb many times <laughs> but it's one of the it's 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 one of those things where it's i saw it in sports the all the time growing up where these people have like this natural talent and then they're just kind of like i mean i guess i'll play football like i don't really it's not really and that's kind of like me i love comedy comedy saved my life it means more to me than anything in the world and i would i would continue to be poor and like struggle as long as i can do stand up but for you, it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, I mean, like you just said, this might have been, I might have done it one time and like, oh, that was cool and never done it again. And then you kept doing it and now you just murder places. <laughs> and like, I look at yeah. it and Maya, stop it. I look at it and I, to me, it makes me excited. Like some people I could see why they'd get jealous or resentful, but I get excited. I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, cause that opens the door. Comedy so niche that it opens the door for other people. Like if they see you and they love you, then it's like, yeah, they're going to like stand up now. Mm. So I oh, find that's. A beautiful way to look at that. <laughs> well, but I find that so interesting because you, like you just said, you might not have continued to do it had it not been for that small scene in that family environment. Yeah. So t- that blows my mind that it's just kind of like, yeah, I mean, I did it and it was fun and I might not have kept doing it. And then I turn around and I'm like, yeah, but you're headlining at like 20 something years old. It's crazy for me, too, because now looking back, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I would be doing other than this. Like, I've never 
found something that like clicked as much as this and like a group of people in a community that I clicked with as much as this. Yeah, like I was like, you know, even where you're like, Oh, I found my people. Like this is it. Yeah. A hundred percent. This is it. And it's like the idea that I could have like missed this just on accident is like crazy to me because now I like can't imagine my life without it. Yeah. It's one of those weird things where like you just said, you, you, it's one of those things where you never like, I know in my, case i never thought oh comedy can be a career and now that i'm trying to pursue comedy as a career it's like i could never imagine like if i had gone to law school like what my life would have been like or had i continued to like try to gut it out with football even though i had all those injuries and like got good grades and like did something in the real world like i couldn't even imagine what that would be like now i think i'd be a lot lonelier like i have friends and stuff but it's like the connections you make through stand-up like I don't know, dude. It's like, it's like my whole social circle. And I yeah. don't even think that's a bad thing. It's like, I I don't know. It's just, I think it's more of a social life than I would have had baked in otherwise. Oh, 100%. It's and like, it's, yeah. It's interesting. I think I've talked about this before on the show. I'm not sure. But like a lot of times in AA, people will be like, oh, I never felt like I belonged till I was here, which is true for a lot of people. But for me, it was comedy. Mm. Like I had never, like I obviously have a lot in common with most of the people in AA and things like that. But I had never felt like as tight knit a family as until I started doing stand up. Cause it's one thing to have like similar stories and shared experiences about like crazy, horrible things in your life. But it's with stand up, It's like, yeah, but we do this every day together. Like we're all in, like while we're doing it separately, we're still all doing it together. Like the whole point is to try to get this audience to laugh. And there's like a, a ritual regularity to it too of like, especially in like a smaller scene like we started in it where you're like, oh, I see these people every single day and we do the same thing and it's like, I don't know, like, I mean, I, I don't know as much about addiction but I, I hear about like, you know, I, maybe that's not a fair lens to look through it but like, what I'm trying to say is how meaningful structure is. Oh yeah. And like, a reliable, like, I know I'm going to do this thing at this time with these people and it's like, the regularity of like, I'm going to do stand up every night, like mental health wise, I think is like hugely beneficial too. So you're not just kind of floating aimlessly. Like, I don't know. It's just like in a million ways is like the best thing. Like it's, it's cool that, that, that stand up itself is so fun and the community of people is so great. And like, I mean, even down to like, I love staying up late at night. It's yeah. like every little detail of it is like, I don't know. It's, it's like really cheesy, but I can't like it. Just it's like overwhelming, like how cool. It is. Well, no, and that's true. <laughs> like, that's like, so I, nerdy, but yeah. And another thing about it too is that there are certain things, there are certain topics that we all talk about. You know, parallel thinking is what we call it, where you'll have a premise and I have a premise, and it could be the same premise, but we have two different bits because our life experiences are two different things. And I find that so interesting about it as well, because you have. You talk about suicide in your act. I talk about suicide in my act. But they're two completely different sides of the same coin. So it's so interesting to me. I got to stop saying that. But it's so I find that so fascinating. The fact that like, yeah, on paper, if you wrote it down, like point for point, we have we talk about some of the same stuff. But if you watch the sets, you'd be like, those aren't the same at all. Yeah. And I think that's so cool how it can be the same, but so totally different at the same time. Like I was watching Dusty Slade just had the his season three as the stand ups just came out and I was watching that earlier and he was talking about like drinking and driving and not drinking anymore and stuff. And that's literally a lot of my act is about the same premises. But I turn to Savannah and I go, 
I can't believe I never fucking thought to put any of that into a joke. Like, oh, he isn't did. that the best and the worst when I you watch like, someone oh and you're like, God. oh, why didn't I? <laughs> How like, did that's I been floating around that? my life too, and I was too dumb to do anything with it. Yeah. Oh, my God. And so that's that, like, what we're talking about. Like, as far as stand up, that's one of the. And it's so weird because we love it so much that it is still such a niche thing. Like, and I get it. Like, if you said to somebody, like, hey, do you want to pay money to go watch this show of music with different instruments and tones and melodies? Or do you want to pay money and hear someone talking to one person talking to a microphone? Like, when you look at it like that, it's like, well, I'd probably rather watch the music. And because it doesn't really, I mean, when you're, when we're building a show and stuff, it's not like it's like a jazz show or a rock show or like it's just stand up. And yeah. it's like, well, that could be anything. <laughs> I mean that could be that could be Sam Kinison or that could be Maria Bamford. It's like those are not the same night, yeah, you know. And it's weird that it all gets lumped together. So it's like I don't know. It makes sense where it's like there's very different audiences in it. Well, and to that point, the billing is still the same. Where we say stand up, but there are different spots. Like in, in New York, for example, there are different spots where you realize what you're going to get. And I mean, it's the same yeah. thing, even on a condensed level in smaller scenes. Where it's one of those things where it's like, oh, well, if you go to this place, like we had rain dogs in Jacksonville and it's like a bar and like they have a like a venue in the back with the stage and they have a lot of rock concerts and like it's a it's heavy. So it's like if you go there, you know, it, you know what you're getting like, you know, it could be aggressive. It could be this. It could be that. But then if you go do like another person runs a different room, you kind of get the vibe where you're like, oh, this might be at a bar, but it's it's like a clubby vibe. Yeah. Like families are going to be there. And it's two totally different things, but it's still build a stand up. It's still some of the same players one to the other, but it's two completely different things in the grand scheme of things, which is fascinating that we still arbitrarily just go, oh, stand up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Sam Kinnis and Maria Bamford thing is great because it's like, yeah, that's. It's like going to see Jesselnik versus Jim Gaffigan. It's like those are two really different styles. Yeah. So like you you have no idea, which is why I, I love it, too, because there is no one size fits all. It's kind of like you could you you could be a fan to stand up and hate Jerry Seinfeld, but love, you know, Jesselnik or some of these like other like crazier guys who talk about like really crazy shit. But you could be like, oh, Jerry's too tame. And he's regarded as one of the best stand-ups in the world. But you could still love stand-up, but not like him. And there's so, like, there's really, like, no rules of how weird you want to get with it. Like, I remember being in high school and watching Emo Phillips. Have you ever oh, seen his, yeah. uh, his, I think it's Live at the Tasty, the Hasty Pudding? No, I haven't Something seen like it. Something like that, the Tasty Pudding. It's some theater named Pudding, and it, like, he, there's this, <laughs> it's so weird. He's doing a bit, and then completely unrelated, he, like, pulls out a trumpet and while he's telling this bit, he like disassembles the trumpet and then puts it back together and then never plays it and just puts it away and doesn't address it. And it like it like shattered my brain like as a kid. I was like, <laughs> it was just I don't know. He's amazing. But it's like that's it's such a wide spectrum of like what the art form can be. And it's like that's how that's I felt the first appealing. time I watched Dimitri Martin. His Comedy Central presents where he first I mean, I'm much older than you, but he first did the. uh the, where he drew on the big pad, yeah, the paper pad, and then he turned the page. I remember watching because Dane Cook was the first, like, not the first, but one of the reasons I got into stand up. And I've talked about that before. And like Tom Rhodes, I, Mitch Hedberg, those were like the first Comedy Central presents I ever saw. My cousin showed it to me when I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I was like, I've 
Like, what is this? Like, what is this stand-up? Like, this is awesome. But I remember watching Dimitri Martin and thinking, like, wait, this isn't anything like... It was on Comedy Central. It was a Comedy Central Presents, but it wasn't like anything I had seen before. It wasn't like any of the other guys. And I was like, oh, so you can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. That's how I was with Bo Burnham's first Netflix special, oh, God, What, yeah. came out when I was in, like, eighth grade. And I was in college. God. <laughs> but I it like I like learned piano. I like bought a piano from my friend and like taught myself piano because I was so obsessed with that special because I wanted to like play the song. That's and, like, awesome. And the whole left brain, right brain thing he did, it just it like blew my mind. Yeah. And like, yeah, where you're like, oh, this can be anything. It's anything you want it to be, which is why the freedom that we have is why I love it, because this is a conversation that I've had with other comics. Um like, you know, and you completely understand this, like those conversations we have after open mics in our smaller scene where we're all just sitting around talking and you get into the whole philosophy of like what the what, parking lot hangs. Yep, yeah. <laughs> what is this? What are we really doing? Um, and it's interesting because he doesn't like it so much when I talk about him all the time. But Chris Buck, who's like I've talked about him before on the show and I know he listens. What's up? Shout out Chris Buck. Um but he's, you know, the Philosopher King was the name of his episode. And Jack, like, he runs the scene. Like, he's one of the big players in the scene. And I remember talking to him about it. And we boiled it down to, like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just not funny. And I remember he said, well, if you write a bit because you think it's funny, then it's funny. Because you think it's funny. And you have a sense of humor. It might not be funny to 99.9% .9 of other people. I'm paraphrasing because he always gets mad when I misquote him. But... He's like, but it's still funny because you think it's funny. So don't ever doubt, like, if you write something and you think, like, oh, this is good or this is funny, don't ever doubt that it's not funny. You just need to bring it out at the right time or phrase it the right way. Wording is so important, which is crazy because I've seen shows where people have gone up and bombed, and then the next comic goes up and some of the same premises and kills, and you're like, Oh, yeah, like we can make this whatever we want. It just depends on the audience's experience, perspective, things like that, which is so like I don't think any other art form is like that. Like if you watch a movie and there there's bad acting, you're like, oh, this is bad acting. Or if there's great acting, you'd be like, I don't like the movie, but it's great acting. But if you go see a stand up and he doesn't make you laugh because you don't relate to any of it, you're just like, oh, they suck. And it's like, wait a second. That's yeah. not. Like you can't appreciate the structure and like the 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 storytelling and like stuff. It was technically good, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah like nobody says yeah. that. They just go, "Oh, that's garbage." It's interesting what you said too about if it's funny to you, there's something there. Because I had a joke like that, the suicide joke you were talking about, and not to like you know hold my jokes up on some pedestal and be like, "Let's dissect it," but but <laughs> no, let's not. I mean, it. I would claw my eyes out before I did that. But <laughs> it just reminded me because that was one where I was like, I know there's something funny about this, and it took me like a year to phrase it right and I almost gave up on it so many times and now it's like my favorite joke but I was like I don't know like the first time I was ever like I think that's so true and like a lesson that I'm glad I learned is like no if you think there's a, like a nugget of something there there probably is even if it takes like forever literally to months out. to crack it it's like yeah that it could be worth it because I think I don't think I was like that when I started I think I was just kind of like if I stumbled across funny phrasing, I was like, okay, cool. But if it wasn't immediately funny or immediately working, I was like, well, it must be a bad joke. And I would just toss it. See, and and I that's, feel like that's a hard thing to learn is like, is learning how to like consciously like 
try to reshape it instead yep. of just being like, oh, I stumbled on something that works. That's in the act now. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's a huge shift. Because that's a, that's a big problem that I have is that I think because, you know, my sense of humor is incredibly dark and I operate in that space. And that's and I like to do that. But there's a lot of times where I literally just got off the phone with someone when we were talking about a bit that I had written a couple of weeks ago because someone close to my family died and I won't get into the details, but I had written a bunch of bits about it. And then I said them back to this person and they were like, you can't, that is not how you're going to word that. <laughs> like you can't like do it like that. Like you have to figure it. And I go, so you're not saying it's not funny. And they go, no, there's something there, but you have to figure out the phrasing because the way you're doing it, the reason it's getting groans and not laughs is literally because of what you're saying, like the <laughs> way you're saying it. Yeah. And but it's to that same point where it's like, OK, so I'm not crazy. Like there's something here, which is so weird if you think about it, because how many times on a daily basis do we think like, oh, maybe that's funny. And then we're just like, nah, like or like you said, you try it once or twice. and You're like, nah, that's not going to work. And you just discard it when really it could be like the bit with the suit. Like I've seen you do that so many times and it always kills. So it's hard for me to imagine before when you were working it out and it wasn't working it was so wordy and it was so like over explained like it's so good oh thanks dude wait like what you were saying too about like like being like oh there's something funny to that and then being like uh i'm not gonna just tossing it it's like i feel like that's how you get to that point where then you're watching someone special and you're like oh that's what the joke should have yeah. been like i feel like better comics like, I, I don't know. It's a cool moment to watch better comics and be like, wow, I've had that same thought, but I'm, that's the blueprint for how you actually take that thought and mine it and get everything out of it. And like, it's it's interesting to watch better comics do stuff like that and not throw it away and find and they, what's They're going to work on it, it until like, they have it. Yeah. And it's. It's amazing. Like I said, I was watching Dusty Slay's thing. I knew he didn't drink, but I didn't know how much he talked about it in his act. And literally stuff I've been working on forever. And it's wordy and long because I tell stories. So it's all like all over the place. And it's like so disjointed. And then to watch him succinctly do it and like a four minute stretch on his Netflix special. I was just like, that was it the whole time. I feel like that's the coolest thing of comedy ever is watching something where you're like, oh, you just took a thought and an abstract feeling that I've had my entire life and you put it in like a concrete form that I can like. And then like we can laugh at my, Yeah. On top of everything that then we find funny. Yeah. It's like, it, oh man, I could talk but about the like catharsis of it, of like, yes, that's, that's what, what it I is. Was trying that's to say. like the coolest thing ever to me. It's like having those moments where you're like, oh, I, I, I remember that line from a movie what movie was that? And not looking it up on your phone and it just comes to you. It's like having that moment all the time when you watch stand up. Cause you're like, that's, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. It's amazing. And I could talk about comedy all day long. And my listeners know that. And they get frustrated sometimes because <laughs> I'm just like, they're like, yo, why don't you let your, your guest talk? So let's go back to you. So 16 years old, you do an open mic, North Carolina, they take you under their wing and they're like, all right, we're going to keep doing this. So when, when did you realize, like, I've got something here? Because I know you had touched on it. Like, I can't believe I uh, I couldn't imagine ever doing anything else. But when in your timeline, because you went to college, you did all that. You talk about that on stage. So, like, take me through 16, junior in high school to 
I'm going to go keep pursuing comedy. I remember like a very distinct moment where I was sitting in the car with those two friends and one of them was like, so do you want to like actually do this? And he kind of just said it offhandedly and I was like, oh, I've never really thought about that. And I think I was like, no, yeah, I do. Like, How far in were you? That was like two or three months in. Okay. So I was still like 16 and I was like, I at least want to. And I think it was easier too because I mean, I'm lucky that I started young because it gave me a lot of years of being able to do it without having to worry about making money from it yet or is this serious or like you know this needs to work out or I'm gonna have to find another career I was like I got like a good five years of like I just get to have fun with this and focus on comedy and now I'm kind of like all right let's start you know what I mean yeah that's a good point because if it doesn't work out after five years you're like well I'm you know I'm 21 22 like who cares like I'll just go get another job. Like. Yeah, so it was a pretty easy decision at 16 to be like, yeah, I want to be a comedian. It's like, okay, well, I'm not like quitting my desk job to do that. Like, yeah, it's a exactly. pretty empty, like, just aspirational statement. But, um, yeah, it's different when you're 30 and you get sober and you're like, no, I got to get back into comedy. And then it's like, well, I've got student loans and debt and yeah, credit cards I, and insurance. And it's like, because that's what happened to me. And it was like, that's the one thing I talk about all the time is the one thing because I don't have a lot of regrets when it comes to my drug addiction and drinking because that's where I get most of my material from. Mm. So it's not a lot of regrets, but the thing you can never get back is time. And so it's one of those things where it's like, fuck, if I would have just stuck with it when I started in 2009, God knows where I'd be right now. And sometimes I have the same thing, too, where I'm like, oh, did I miss out on like some real formative years of like my social circle in high school was like comics you know what I mean? I was hanging yeah, out with like 40 true. year old divorced dads and I was like you guys you guys are my best friends I literally didn't go to prom and instead I spent it doing a comedy show at like a restaurant like oh it was yeah like, so that's you know but it's like I didn't even I, think about that that's a totally like flip side of the coin yes I'm like okay it was like a trade-off and I'm glad I did it but like the the trade-off of like oh starting young and getting those kind of extra years I think was like I, I spent high school hanging out with comics which yeah. i wouldn't trade for That's anything awesome. but it's 40 year old divorced dad. <laughs> i <laughs> have thought about best it friend. yeah <laughs> no i'm like literally hanging out at like like a waffle house after an open yeah, mic yeah, with like yeah. the, the weirdest morning? people i've ever met in my life on like a school night i also have like the most like just ridiculously supportive parents like they're so cool about That's it awesome. and like let me come home at like 2 a.m on school nights to like do open mics and stuff so me being Did they like, do that? Like she's an artist. She's she's doing her thing. Yeah, I, they were like, "You're clearly into this," and like, "Oh, that's so." We awesome. just want to support you, and it's like, no. Me being like, I want to do comedy. It wasn't like I feel like so many people have cool stories where they're like, "I just knew I had to," and I'm like, I really kind of had like the most like privileged, easy laid out. My parents were like, "We'll drive you to open mics." Uh-huh. Like, you know what I mean? It was like, so cool. it's not even like an impressive story at all. It was like, no, they're so cool. No, My parents are the best. That is still awesome because again, it goes back to what we we're talking about about how there's so many different lanes and there's so many di- i mean we put it all under this umbrella of stand-up but there there's assholes like me who are super pretentious who are like you know i almost died and now i'm gonna use my comedy to say something like lenny bruce is my hero like blah 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 and then there's other people who are like i just want to be silly and funny and i know you and i have had this conversation before where it's like no i just want to make people laugh and my journey was this and your journey is that but we're both trying to accomplish the same thing just in two different ways. And that's what I love about it is as exclusive as it might seem, because a lot of people won't get on stage and just try to make people laugh. It's so inclusive because it's like, yeah, we can all do this. And it's so like, I used to think it was so individualistic because it's like just you on stage and all that kind of stuff. But it's so much more like community 
oriented than I realized. And like you said, like a sort of like there's there's not really like a scarcity to it. It's like the more people succeed at this, the better. Like I don't know, like the net worth that comes with it of like like the fact that you could go pretty much anywhere in the country and if you like no comics, it's like you'll have a couch to crash oh, yeah. on. Like someone will feed you. It's like that's like a really rare thing. And I don't know, it feels like not to overanalyze it too much, but it sort of feels like cheating capitalism a little bit where you're like, no, we like people depend on each other. And like most of the stuff you even get is like from other comics. Like it's, it's, it's so almost, horizontal. Almost and it's, like, it, yeah. it's like kind of a beautiful model of like how community can work. I, I don't know that that's like really <laughs> maybe but looking it, into I it mean, too much, but I do like love that about it. And like, that's true though. It's a hundred percent true. It's one of those things where, and I, like I said, I can overanalyze and talk about comedy till I'm blue in the face and the, the listeners know I've done it before. And it's but I love the fact and I don't know if it's because I played sports, obviously not, because there's a lot of comics who are nerds who never played sports, but they still have the same mindset where it's like it's not a zero sum game. It's not it's not absolutes like if, if your friends succeed, you're you're like, going that's good to succeed. Yeah. yeah, like. I have people on my podcast. Other people have me on their podcast. Like, it's this working relationship of like, hey, you know, you come on my podcast, we'll promote the comedy show that you produce, and then you're going to have me on the comedy show. Like, it's not quid pro quo, but that's just kind of how we all operate. It's like kind of like really beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it is. the, The thing I love the most about it is the fact of what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, if I just want people to be fans of comedy because it's important to me. And that's, and that's one of those weird things where it's like, because it's important to me and because of everything it's done for me and it saved my life, I want other people to experience the same joy I get out of going. You hear me in the back of the room at the stand all the time. I've seen everybody set a hundred times and I still will cackle at some of the stuff. Cause it's still, it's so funny. And then to watch other people's reaction to it and to see other people laugh at stuff that I know is already funny. It's almost like a validation. And it's, it's this weird thing where it's like, yeah, if we all do well, that's awesome. There's 8 billion people in the world. Like, if we could all just get a couple hundred thousand people to watch our stuff, like, we're all good. Like, that's cool. Like, I don't understand these people who are like, no, mine. Like, it's mine. It's all mine. It's like, chill out, dude. Like, there's plenty. Yeah. There's plenty. I don't know. Totally. I just, we, I, <laughs> I could talk about this all day, but... <laughs> Um, so where did you go to college? Cause I know you just graduated like last month. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, uh, yeah, I w- finished high school and I, part of me was like, I wanted to straight out of high school, move to New York and okay. do stand up. And I'm really glad I didn't do Are that. Are you in a big city or a small town in North Carolina? Uh, I'm in like a college town. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was like definitely not like where I lived, smaller town for sure. Not like a you know 20 person small town but but not like a huge not shop. like a downtown with skyscrapers like yeah. yeah like a cutesy little town and so um i went to school in chicago uh, i went to columbia college and okay. which was like i'm really really glad i went there i don't know it was a good school and it was like you kind of just got to i did like one of those like design your own majors things oh, God. so i kind of just spent four years like taking being like oh that sounds interesting i took like a woodworking class i took like <laughs> i mean i just like really kind of fucked around <laughs> but um but it was great what's they, your what's your degree in technically it's in tv writing and acting okay. which i was like you know that'll hopefully be helpful for stand-up and like that school is really cool also because a lot of the teachers who work there are adjunct and are actually working 
in the fields that they're teaching. teaching. So I'm not, they're not just like, I did this 20 years ago and I retired and now I teach. They're like, I teach here Monday, Wednesday. And the other days I'm actually like a producer on a TV show or on a news station. So there's so many times where you talk to someone and they're like, well, like, because I majored in political science, they all talk to somebody and they're like, well, I majored in political science, so I know all about this. I was like, yeah, that was 60 years ago or 40 years ago. Yeah. You haven't touched anything political since. No, but you're like, oh, I really respect what you're saying because you know the industry right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Like, one of our teachers was really good friends with Z-Way, you know, for Z-Way as the Showtime show. Yeah. And was like, but this is a couple years ago before she really blew up and... I mean, was a famous comic still, but they were like, oh, this is my friend. She's going to Skype in and give some advice to the class, yada, yada. And then a couple years later, she's Z-Way. And it's like, I don't know, it it was pretty cool to look back on. But yeah, that that school was great. And I was like... Were you doing stand-up in Chicago while you were at school? Yeah, that was like the only reason I chose Chicago. So the two guys I was telling you about, they also had moved to Chicago. Okay. They were like, we want to take that step before we go to New York, like go to a mid-sized scene. And so it was, I was the only school I applied to. I was, oh, like, wow. I was like, I know I want to go to Chicago and I only did it because I wanted to do stand up there. And yeah, then got four years of stand up there and I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Cause, so that's and cause you and I talked about this cause you said Chicago and I was like, Oh, I know a few comics from Chicago or not from Chicago, but that moved from Jacksonville to Chicago. And I think, I think Forrest Scott was the only one that you thought you might know. He did the, they did the, um, Shit! What was it? The uh, After Dark comedy, and they yeah. started doing that in Chicago. When I know when he moved there, because he started that in Jacks, and then when he moved to Chicago, they started doing that. But that was the only semblance of like maybe a connection that we had, because Chicago, you say a, a, a kind of a mid-major scene, but it's it's a big city. Yeah. So what? When you get there, were you intimidated? Were you thinking like, I got this? How long had you been doing stand up at that point? I've been doing it probably two years, right? Three years, maybe. Okay, I was gonna say I took a little time off after high school, like a semester off. So okay, it's probably close to three years, yeah. And then you got there, and were you like, I've got this? Or I remember looking on their spreadsheet of open mics and being like, Oh, we have like about the same amount of open mics a week. And then I looked down and I was like, Oh, that's just Monday. (laughs) I was like, Oh, this is like a different beast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was super intimidated. And there's so many good comics there, like great comics there that it's like, yeah. And then you got like Laugh Factory, which is like, just you know, a regular club, but it seats like two or 300 people. And it's like, if you do Laugh Factory on a Friday night, it's like doing like a small theater. Yeah. It's like crazy. So like, yeah, that was like hugely. Was there um was there a comedy club in North Carolina where you were coming from? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Good Nights in okay. Raleigh. Which seats like two, three hundred people, but it, I mean, I think Laugh Factory because it has that two tiers is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if anybody listening to this will even I'm saying it like you know the Chicago Laugh yeah, Factory, right? Uh, well, I only ask because we have, there's a comedy club where I'm from, but they don't had at the time the old owner didn't have any association with the local scene. It was the, the the closest it came was, I don't care how long you've been doing comedy, I don't care who you are, unless you're paying to headline. Unless we're paying you to headline, you're not going to play this club unless you do my comedy class. So a lot of comics obviously oh, wow. were like like fuck off like we're not doing that so i didn't know but then there's scenes like orlando tampa and i didn't know if raleigh was like this where the the comedy club was like no like we want the local comics to come and open and host because they'll bring their friends and they'll bring other people yeah they were so so good about that about like bringing in like new younger talent of like they would have an open mic and the manager would like watch and even like give you notes if you wanted and like oh wow they they really would like pick hosts from that like yeah they were they were super into the scene and like I think there was like a real respect from comics of like this club cares about comics that's awesome so when you got to Chicago did you notice the same thing there as far as the bigger clubs or was it a disconnect like 
No, you do open mics, and then the the touring comics do the clubs. I got really lucky, I think, with like I mean the the club managers were. I I think they're great, and I I got lucky with being able to kind of get into those. You got into the clubs in Chicago. Yeah. How did that happen? Um, I there was like some produced I, shows that I think friends put me on, and it was sort of just like they did have an open mic at Laugh Factory, um, and ended up like meeting the manager through that and stuff. And okay, because I know it's always place. different. There's not Ian and I talked about this last week. There's not like a blueprint. It's not like okay. When I ask, like, oh, how did that happen? It's not like, oh, like, tell me the secret. It's one of those things where because everybody's story is so different. Like, we had Oscar on, and Oscar was like, yeah, I did a produce show at The Stand. And Joe, one of the managers, happened to see his set. Just happened to see his set. Really liked it. Happened to pass his tape on to the booker who really liked it. And then all of a sudden, he's passed. And then you hear about other people who are like, yeah, I showed up all the time. Constantly kept asking for spots. And then finally they gave me a spot and I had to keep working and working and it took seven years and blah, blah, blah. So I always find it interesting because they're always so different. So in your case, you got to know the manager and then they liked your stuff and then you got passed. Honestly, part of the reason I hesitated was because I don't really remember. (laughs) I remember what the first show was there. There was like a show that of someone I had met like in a different city was producing and threw me on. But like and I remember doing the open mic, but I kind of don't remember how it Uh, happened exactly because i don't think it was like a formal audition process or anything it was kind of just like and i feel like chicago is i mean it's a big scene but it you can know i mean i feel like north carolina i was like okay you know everybody it's basically the same people just traveling around to different open mics together like we could we could just pick one room and do it there but (laughs) we could and then it's like chicago i was like okay you eventually start to kind of know everyone and then new york i'm like i'm never gonna know every comic here i'm gonna meet new people every day so I, I don't know. I feel like it was like an in between where it was like, I, I don't even honestly know what the point <laughs> of that tangent was, <laughs> but I think I was just getting it that I was like, eventually through osmosis, if yeah, you hang out you, long enough, you start to be, you just know people. Yeah. And then you, you end up getting, you know, you get into clubs up there, you're touring around that area, I assume while you're in college. And then the thing that I found super cool was, when I because you and I again we kind of moved at the same time, not even knowing, and then when I saw your set and I went up to talk to you, I was kind of like, "Well, what brought you to New York?" And that's when you had told me, "Well, I got just for last." So, do you remember how you got that? Like, what happened there? Yeah, I had auditioned and I literally, <laughs> I uh, was leaving Chicago and was like driving, like literally, I got in my car, driving out of Chicago to go to North Carolina to move to Home? new york like i was gonna stay oh, with my okay, parents yeah. for a little bit and then and then so you were to going york. to new york no matter what yeah it was i i knew i was gonna go to new york after i graduated college like that did was you the have plan. representation and stuff at this point yeah i got a manager did, in college did you just okay while you were just doing shows in chicago someone was in just like new york actually okay um i was doing a show at it was like at the cellar and then i met someone who knew the person who's now my manager it was like kind of just like a right place right time thing but it was okay. while i was in new york but and so that's why i was but that's also a, a crazy thing about this business is there's some people who like you, like you, you're in college, you're doing shows and then you get a manager and then there's other people who tour all over and they just do it themselves. And it's so random too because it was like, it was because of like, like a couple years ago I did a podcast in North Carolina and then that comic who, I mean, I would say, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think he would care, but I'll, <laughs> I'll just keep it on. Yeah, just he, leave it out. He, uh, 
he then had me open for him at the cellar, and then his, his agent was there, and then his agent gave my name to now my manager. God, and it was so like, that was like, and it was like, okay, I can trace web. it back to like because I drove two and a half hours to do a podcast. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. I don't know. I was kind of, I, I was like, oh, there's like no thing that's too small because like, who knows, dude? I don't know. The internet's everywhere. Yeah, it's just like well, that's so a, random. I say that all the time. It's like so. It's like my girlfriend all the time is just like, can you just skip the podcast this week? And it's like, no, I got to do it. And she's like, and and the grand scheme of things, it probably won't matter. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't matter. But sometimes it does. Sometimes it leads to the hugest thing. And I hope I don't sound like a total asshole being like, no, that someone would care why I, you know. But it, but it is weird that it's like the chain of events that leads to that kind of stuff is like so it, it's random and like I seemingly went to an small. open mic, met the host of the open mic, had him on the podcast because I liked his, the, you know, I liked his vibe. And then I had, the, the, and it turns out they produce shows and then they put me on shows. And then that's how I got through that show is how Ian came on this podcast. And like, it's like so random how all this stuff kind of happens. But yeah. because like we were talking about earlier, the community of it, like we're all like helping each other out. So you have the manager and you're, you go back home to North Carolina and you're like, all right, I'm going oh, yeah. to New York. So no I literally got what. in the car to like drive away from Chicago and like I had to break up with my boyfriend because I was like changing cities and I was like sobbing. I was like, no, yeah. like it was just like so horrible. Another and great then, bit you have though about and, the long distance. Yeah. But then, and then she called me like as I was driving away and was like, told me about JFL and I was like, okay, that, that's, I awesome. feel better now. I was like, that was, that's where careers are made. Just it was relax. a pretty good timing. And then I moved to New York like a week after that. So it was like, it was pretty good timing. Was, was this fun. in Montreal? No, it was in LA because of COVID. So they, oh, like, okay. the Canadian border, I guess, was like shut down. So you go, you do just for laughs. Obviously, you do really well. And then you were already heading to New York, but now you have a credit. Now you have this, I was, new faces just for laughs. Yeah, it was pretty helpful timing. <laughs> Dude, it couldn't have been more helpful yeah. because that's something you can put on everything. And people, I mean, I was on the show with, with Sarah Sherman and now she's on SNL. It's yeah. like crazy. People, lo yeah, I mean, who, I mean, she's just, I am just, I think she's the coolest person who's ever lived. Uh, <laughs> I'm such a big fan of Sarah Sherman. But, um, yeah, it was like pretty nice timing and help. You know what was, kind of helpful too is the fact that it was covid they filmed all the sets because it was like streaming oh so you got that's a clip awesome out of it, which is like that's sick. huge so I'm, yeah. I'm like could not have been happier to get it this year yeah and then you got to new york and then you had now you have that credit just for laughs so it's it's a lot easier it might not even make a difference but in my mind it's a lot easier to talk to bookers and clubs when you're like yeah i just did just for laughs oh because totally that carries so much weight to it that it's one of those things where it's like I can, I showed up and I was like, yeah, I'm coming from Florida. Like I got 30 minutes. I could feature. We got this podcast. And they're like, that's it. Like it doesn't carry any weight. Like there's nothing behind it. But if you show up and you go, yeah, I just did just for laughs. They're like, oh, shit. Obviously, you're going to get a chance to at least audition. Yeah. If you're just a dick about it and you just name drop it all the time, you're like, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. I'm but like no, doing I mean, that yeah. for you. I'm like, that's so cool. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's all right. I'm like, no, seriously. <laughs> I want that credit. <laughs> but I mean, no, but I kind of just lucked out. Yeah, it was really helpful that it was like right before it. Yeah. And then when you got when you got here, um, did you just like go to all the different clubs and say like, hey, I'm here now? Or how did did your manager just handle it? Or My manager kind of helped out with that. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I guess that's then, obviously what they're there for. But then I got in the stand and I've been like the stand has been I mean. Home. amazing and like also kind of a dream to like yeah. I don't know I like visited here when I was like 16 with my mom and like watched shows there it's like I don't know not to like 
nerd out about it oh, too I much. Nerd out but about it is it like kind of surreal. I don't know. I'm like, it's very. I nerd it's, about uh, it with cool. one of the managers because sometimes he's like, "Ugh, I gotta go to work," and I go, "Dude, do you know where you work?" Like, <laughs> I would be my dream to be on that stage, and like you're like, "Ugh, I gotta go to work." And I, I'm like tired. I'm like, dude, like shut up. Like this is like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I feel a little like a. I I don't feel like. I, I feel like new to it and like, oh my God, I get to like, I don't know. I'm just very like, you have I, mean, a, you have I, a, I hope an, I don't sound like I'm like jerking myself off or anything, but, just, no, but you just, have an appreciation and a respect for what you're doing it, and it, where you're doing it. Exciting. And I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. it doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't really feel real. It's cool. That's <laughs> awesome. It shows that you still have a, a, a great appreciation. You're not some jaded comic who's like, yeah, I'm going up at the cell or whatever. It's like, fuck you, dude. Like, I mean, if I was jaded at 23, it's like, well, then quit <laughs> comedy, dude. I mean, honestly, someone should punch job. me in the fucking face if I'm jaded. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. That's true. I, I always forget how young you are. Um, just so young and successful. No, I'm just uh, Well, I want to get into uh, some stories. So uh, the listeners might not know this. We talked a lot about comedy because I know you don't have a plethora of ex-drinking buddy stories because you don't drink. You are sober now. Um, but you did tell me you used to smoke a lot of weed. I did. When did you start smoking weed? Was that like a thing in high school? Uh, cannot confirm or deny. Okay, uh, <laughs> I see what you're doing here. <laughs> no, but I. So what happens when you hang out with forty-year-old divorcees? Right. Yeah. It doesn't exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I used to smoke weed, and then um, I, it's weird because I'm like being sober. I don't have like some like I hit rock bottom story. Yeah. It's just kind of like it doesn't really agree with me anymore. Cause I, I used to love. Which is incredibly mature at twenty three to say that. I just well I got I got these panic attacks that were like so bad and I tried to push through it multiple times and eventually was, was this like, in where where was this happening was this in Chicago or in North Carolina when you were still in high school or this was like after high school okay. maybe North Carolina right before I moved to Chicago so yeah. when you took that semester after high off. school eighteen and I was like yeah I, I don't know what happened we were talking about like I did I did try shrooms one time and it was like. I just think that the trip was like the trip was great, but something clicked for some reason after that I couldn't smoke weed. And I was like, it would just give me these horrible panic attacks like to the point that I like thought people were poisoning my food. Oh, like, wow. like legit, like I thought I was like losing my mind. Like I would like think that people were like, like it felt like almost like psychosis or something like it yeah. really half the fear was like, this is these are crazy people thoughts like this is like <laughs> this is like can't hold a job like, like i would like have to pull over the car because i'd be like scared that i was gonna How stop often breathing this spontaneously. like all the time like it was like really debilitating and i've had like horrible anxiety and like ocd my whole life yeah and but it was like i think just on top of that it was like i have a brain that with maintenance and treating it well is usable yeah <laughs> but if i jostle it with drugs or if i don't take my antidepressants or if i don't take care of myself it's a pretty easy slip to like crazy not, town yeah um and i think it, we just hit a point where it was like it was doing that and i was like okay i just i have a brain that i i just have to know about myself that i can't rattle it too much yeah. it, it's fine if it's if it's you know if everything's you know on the up and up and we're going down the straight and narrow everything's good but the second you jostle it it's like these people are watching me yeah They're poisoning my food i mean like what that's insane right like yeah. saying it out loud you're like oh that's like crazy but i was literally like well, it's also interesting that you had the wherewithal where you're like these are crazy like why am i having these thoughts these are crazy thoughts and i think the difference between like i mean i'm totally just talking out of my ass here but i think the difference between 
that and really like psychosis or losing your mind is I was like I was having those thoughts but I was like I know that sounds crazy like yeah there's a you're line, able to recognize there's it. a line between really really believing it and feeling it but being like I know this is crazy but I can't stop the anxiety of it yeah like that's more where I was but when you're in it you're like do I really believe this I don't know like it's so it's so disorienting to feel like oh I can't I don't I don't have a baseline to like trust my own thoughts well, in my head and it's so those intrusive thoughts too i know you have a bit that you've been working on about that and that's something that you and i connected on because i was like i think about that kind of stuff all the time where i'll be at like the top of a tall building and i'm like what if i just jumped off and it's like that's crazy but it's like i know that thinking that is not normal but at the same time it's in the back of my head like just do it just jump and i feel like with intrusive thoughts it's like that's another thing about being sober is i'm like for intrusive thoughts you have to have enough of a or at least I've found that you have to have your feet planted firmly on the ground enough to have a reference point to say, okay, that's an out there thought. That's crazy. I can just see that and let it go. And this is, this is real thoughts. This is real life. Like this is yeah reality that I'm grounded in. And if you start to muddle reality, like at least for me, then I don't have anything to ground myself back in, you know, when you have like some intrusive thought like that. So it's like, Oh yeah, I when think that's where it is too. If if you're floating around and high and you have an intrusive thought, you just kind of sometimes you it. do it, yeah, yeah. And there are plenty of times where I've been so drunk, like I stabbed myself in the stomach one time because I wanted to go to the hospital because I thought my ex girlfriend oh was God. cheating on me. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It, and I ended up, <laughs> like it wasn't. That it's actually deep. really chill. Yeah, it but, sounds really cool. <laughs> but it's like you said, like I had fucked up my reality so much because I had been drinking so much that I was like. Well, if I go to the hospital, she'll have to come up from South Florida to come and see me. And I was like, how could I go to the hospital? It's like, well, what if I said I got stabbed? Whoa. And like that happened. But instead of being grounded, like we were talking about, like sober and like that's that's an out there. Like, don't do that. I was so like fucked up. I was just like, yeah, let's just do like I'll just do it. And then wow. it's incredibly difficult to stab yourself. Just like it's incredibly difficult to like bite through your fingers like you could. You have the potential to bite through your yeah, own your finger, body's going to try to stop you, right? stop you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it ended up not working out. I just have this really weird scar on my stomach now. And I didn't go to the hospital. But the fact that I even attempted that because I was so, like, I had no ground in reality. Yeah. It's interesting because when you started talking on stage about the intrusive thought thing, that's what, immediately where I went was like, oh, yeah. And so it's crazy that you're talking about these panic attacks now where you were like, this is not normal. Like, what's going on? And you said that happened because you did the shrooms, and then every time after you tried to smoke weed, that's when you would have those panic attacks? I think so. I mean, that's the only thing that I... I don't know, but I also read some research that supposedly, like, when your brain's still forming around, like, 19, 20, because so much is changing, you might just... Your brain chemistry might change, and it might not agree with weed so much anymore. I mean, that's so unscientific, what I just said. But that would it lines up with how the, the experience timeline, felt yeah, for sure. but yeah so i don't i don't know what it was but something just clicked where i was like it felt like i was like allergic to it yeah it felt like i was having like a mental allergic reaction like my body was just like get this get, out of here get this out of here yeah it just it, i don't know yeah it was just like panic inducing so how do you um because i i've talked about how like being sober because i'm sober for obviously different reasons um, cause I had that rock bottom several times and it was a mess, but do you find, do you ever find it 
uncomfortable because I know we're wired as far as anxiety a lot of the same ways. Do you ever find it yourself like uncomfortable or just like not wanting to do the hang at like any of the clubs or anything because you don't have that social lubricant because you're not like having a drink with everybody or because I mean a lot of comics, especially when they're working, don't get fucked up. Do you find it more it, like more inviting, I guess, or more communi- communal that you can just like be sober and hang out? Yeah, I don't. It doesn't feel like a. Everything like is being sober a barrier because everyone yeah. else is drinking. I, I don't think really because when I started, I was sixteen and I couldn't drink because I was sixteen. Oh yes, yeah, so you got so you were already used to it from the get go. I was always kind of like yeah, drinking and stand up was never like tied together for me, and I'm kind of grateful that I never like had those wires cross. You know what I mean? Because I oh, had yeah. I, I had exactly to start sober because I was a literal child. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like I never got used to like drinking to go on stage or like anything like that. And so it's like. Oh, no, it kind of it's kind of so... like how I started. It feels like natural to me to not. It's always kind of been like yeah, because it's always thing. been separate. Yeah, that's so cool because when you as soon as you said I never had a drink to get on stage or anything, I remembered when I first started in '09. I would have to get I was like 21 and I would have to get hammered or 22. I'd have to get no 21. I'd have to get hammered to get on stage because I was so nervous. And from the get go. Like stand up and drinking went hand in hand for me, and I see you see it so often with so many people at especially at open mics and stuff, where they'll just get shit housed, and then they get on stage and it's just kind of a mess, and that's how I was. So when I got sober the last time, I had to relearn how to do stand up without alcohol. Wow, yeah, I've heard people say that. That's like wild. Yeah, and it, I mean my stand up was a million times better for it, but that first couple of months was debilitating at some like you it's got to be so hard too because then you're also around alcohol all the time and you're getting paid in like drink tickets like yeah try if you were like an addict trying to be sober in this i can't like imagine how hard that is well and that was the thing that was interesting i don't know if i've told this or not on the show before but i remember when i was i lived in oklahoma city for a very brief period and i remember i was living with my cousin and my cousin was doing a lot of shows and he would take me out and we would do shows together and stuff and I would get hammered and I'd do like one setup and another punchline or I'd do like an Arnold impression for like seven minutes even though I was only supposed to do five and I'd run the light and it was a disaster. And I remember my cousin and I were talking about it one day and he goes, well, if you could just stay sober, like you're funny, like this could work. And I remember I was like, in my head, I set a goal and I was like, I'm gonna stay sober for 30 days and like then he was gonna put me on some showcases and it was gonna be great. I made it 28 days and then I was started drinking again. Oh, and man. I remember he walked into the back room and he saw me and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I don't know. And it was so hard to like, to, to separate drinking and stand up. Even when I got sober, like I f- would eventually relapse and I like everything, like if I was doing stand up, I was always drinking. So when I got sober this last time, you say like, oh, it's got to be hard to be an addict and be around it. But my bottom was so bad this last time that there's nothing in the world when it because I love stand up so much. There's nothing in the world that could make me like want to drink, knock on wood, while doing stand up. Like, there's plenty of times where I'm at work and I get a bunch of shitty tables. You know, you've worked in restaurants and you're like, I really want to drink. And then, you know, I call my sponsor. I do what I'm supposed to do and I don't. But never would I ever associate stand up with drinking again, which is crazy because for 10 years, all I did was associate stand-up and drinking. Wow. But you never even had that thought because you started at 16 and you were yeah. just like, no, this is just work. Like, this is my thing. No, I was getting like, I couldn't get into certain 
like mics and stuff because they carted it at the door. That God. was like a thing for years. I was like, there's shows that I was like, I can't wait to be 21 and like be able to do this show. Even I'm going back to North Carolina now and there's an open mic that I've never done that I'm like, I can't wait to finally come back as like an over 21 year old and do it. And like, yeah, I, I think I got a little lucky that it was like always a sober thing. But I also think just for me, drinking was never. Um, that was never your thing. I just never liked how it made me feel. That's so. I think uh, whenever just, people tell me that, I'm always like, oh, it's so good. I think it just didn't click with whatever hole I need filled, like my brain chemistry, whatever. It was like, it just didn't do anything for me. Okay. So you you had mentioned this before we started recording, but you've never like gotten blackout drunk or anything like that never i've never had more than like maybe a couple like i had like one like vodka something drink when i was like on vacation and i've had like a couple beers but i've never even really been like hammered like i've just never i don't know why i mean also like (laughs) i mean that's a a great thing that's awesome this is such a poison it, it's so this is such a like lame reason but it literally just like tastes bad to me and i'm like i can't like <laughs> i mean that's such a like that makes me sound like a five-year-old but i just legit i'm like i'm like oh this is kind of gross well this is how fucked up my brain is is that i've i've been in relationships with girls who who say like i i just don't like the taste i don't want to drink and in my brain i'm so fucked that i'd be like yeah it all tastes like shit but don't you want like your anxiety to go away? Like, don't you want like I'm sound like I'm giving a PSA for booze, but I'm not. <laughs> but it's like one of those things where it's like, yeah, we fight through we fight through the shitty taste because it makes us feel great. Mm. So I've always been envious of people like you who are just like, yeah, I just don't like Maybe it. Maybe it's just that I never pushed through to get to the great part. Maybe if I did get really drunk one day, I'd be like, oh, I get it. And I would <laughs> and I would ruin my life. But, you know, luckily we never luckily I was turned away by the taste early enough that I just didn't. <laughs> oh god that would be imagine there's like a uh there's an alternate universe where yeah I'm like a real or no just in like five years <laughs> i'm like i'm like at the stand i'm finally passed and i'm like whatever happened to maddie does anybody know what happened to maddie it's like yeah one night she just went off the rails and got hammered and then nobody ever saw her so again funny. have a midlife crisis at like 25 <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's I gotta like, write that down, dude. I'm, <laughs> my career is just not where it should be. <laughs> yeah, I'm only I'm I'm 24 and I still haven't gotten my Netflix special. What the fuck? <laughs> because happening? I'll start drinking. <laughs> God, so but I mean that's awesome that you never you never even associated the two. So I mean, not a lot of ex drinking buddy stories, but we got to talk about comedy a lot, which is my favorite thing to do anyway. So fuck it. <laughs> and uh, it was really my only um thing. I'm even remotely well-versed in, in adult life. It's the only thing I've had enough years to... I wanted to ask you... We still have a few more minutes. I wanted to ask you about that. When you started 16, because you said adult life, and it clicked in my head, I was like, you're a baby. Uh, <laughs> did you... What did you talk about when you started at 16? Because I've been... Oh, my God. Yeah, this is... I find this interesting. No! I, I've, I've been to open mics. <laughs> There's a 15-year-old that does open mics um, down at Cellar 77. I forget his name, but I'm always just like... I, I'm like not even from like a hater standpoint. Like I'm always just like, what could you possibly no, talk it's about? True, because you have nothing to actually talk about. So you write jokes about nothing. I had a joke about like like Jerry Seinfeld jokes about nothing or. It was like one of them was like. That was totally. I, <laughs> that was a joke. It did not. No, no, land. no. no. I totally got like, what you were saying. I was just. I was so lost in like. Like I'm the, so, this the is so shame of like what like, did sixteen year old me write? I so I got one my joke about period like, for the first time, huh? <laughs> I literally no no you're good. I literally had a joke about like 
like kids at my school on Adderall sounded like Quentin Tarantino. I mean, it was like there you go. That's yeah, a good I mean, bit. like I, <laughs> I guess. Wow, what else was it? I had I had something about I had something about like anti-vaxxers. Uh, way pre-COVID, COVID, yeah. yeah. Something about like if you t- like anti-vaxxers are all these like you know kind of like uppity like hippie people and if you tell them that vaccines are gluten free maybe they'll give them to their kids i mean it was like i think i went the opposite direction like i should have been like talking about high school but i think i overshot and was like i'm gonna tackle (laughs) i'm gonna tackle anti-vaxxers dude like i'm sure probably really cringeworthy now but yeah where did you um I know this is such a generic like interview question, but because you are so young and because you tried to tackle these major issues when you first started, where where did you find that balance? How old were you when you kind of okay. started finding I should the- add a caveat. I don't mean like I really went for it. I mean like I was an idiot and like <laughs> I mean like if I could have gone back and watched me do that on an open mic, I'd be like, Shut What do up. you possibly have to say about yeah. this? Like um When did you find that balance though? When do you know when it happened? Like the moment when you wrote a joke and you were like, Oh, this actually is gonna work. Uh, or did it just I, come over time because you've been doing it so much for so long? I, 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 because some of the stuff you talk about is heavy. Like, yeah, now, it was a lot of only 23. Like, stuff it's, early on. yeah, you do do a lot of that. Uh, but, but you, even your set, because you and I talked about this before where I was like, yeah, it's not all dicks and pussies. And you were like, actually, I have quite a few <laughs> jokes about dicks and pussies. But even your sex stuff is unique in its own right. Like it's oh, it's funny because it's a it's a like the stuff you have about like showing up at the dorm room and the security guard is like really this is like the person you like that's a unique take on it. It's not just like yeah I was having sex with my boyfriend and blah blah blah. Like it's actually very interesting and oh, unique. Thank you. Yeah, but so like even your sex stuff is it's but it's still to me it's it's fun because it's like yeah we're only like getting started. I know you've been doing it for almost, you know, you're doing it almost 10 years now, but still you're, you really, in your experience of life, you're just getting started. So it's like, where did you like, is that just how your brain works as far as like the suicide stuff and like the, the intrusive thoughts and like that, that kind of lines that you walk when you're on stage, is that just kind of how you've always operated? I don't think I was not to like be like those bits are amazing or anything, but I don't think I could have done those like or like I, I think sex stuff was easier also starting out because it's like it just felt easier to write about because I knew kind of a roadmap. I don't know. I <laughs> apologize. I'm struggling so no, much to answer that question. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, I don't know. I feel like I wrote just like I just like almost just like journaled and then would be like, oh, that's funny. That works. Like what we were talking about earlier of like just kind of like accidentally stumbling upon okay, stuff. Okay. I feel like that's how I wrote for the first like five years is like saying something in conversation or like journaling it and then just being like, Oh, that's actually kind of funny. And then maybe you tag it up a little bit, but I felt like most of it was like on accident. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, because I, I literally had the, the opposite of that where everything I talk about on stage now are experiences like our stories that have actually physically happened to me. So whenever I see a comic, especially a younger comic who talks about dark stuff as well, I'm always like, yeah, like I, like literally, I have the scars all over my body. It's like I try to do that kind of stuff, but it's like I know or not know, but it's like I don't think you did. So how did you come to that point? Which I find super, super like fascinating. I think it's weird too when you're like, like I was like starting out comparing myself to like 
like old, like 30, 40 year old people who were doing bits. And I felt like they were like turning out material so fast and had all this like cool, like, you know, breadth of stories and stuff. And then, and I was kind of beating myself up for that. And then I was like, oh, well, that's also because I just haven't lived as much life and don't have as much like perspective as they yeah, do. So true. it's like, it's going to take a little longer to reach those. Like, I, I feel like most of the bits were like, conjecture kind of you know what i mean it was like hypothetically if you were having (laughs) sex with someone wouldn't this be so funny like uh which is a probably slower way to get to jokes (laughs) but i mean it worked maddie wiener taking over new york (laughs) thank you so much for coming on i do appreciate it plug everything one more time let everybody know where they can find you you got two big shows coming up in north carolina let them know yeah maddiewiener.com um maddie t wiener on instagram um instagram's the best place and i'm headlining um in Asheville, and i'm headlining at the idiot box in greensboro north carolina um thursday and friday 7th and 8th friday saturday Mm -hmm. thursday friday friday saturday oh god 7th and 8th is friday saturday then it's a friday saturday there we go (laughs) um my one of my favorite things still is when there's a new host or someone who you haven't met and they go say, say your name for me again and you go Maddie Weiner and they go Weiner and you go yes Weiner oh, every single time like so it's Weiner right I've, and I'm I've like, seen it happen in person and <laughs> you just roll your eyes and you go yes Weiner <laughs> like that Weiner I appreciate they're trying to throw me a bone like is it is it Weiner can I say Weiner and I'm like no it's got to be unfortunately it is it is Weiner we got to go with that yeah. <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, well thank you so much for coming on uh, thank you everybody so much for listening I know we were comedy heavy today I hope you appreciate it I hope you enjoy it as much as I did uh, BrennanTComedy.com BrennanTComedy on all social media subscribe on Patreon Patreon.com slash Brennan we'll talk to y'all next week <laughs>